we all have a stake in shaping the future of work. So what are the, the ways in which we can actually edge a workplace or a work experience towards equity while also responding to the changing nature of work itself? The workforce landscape is rapidly changing, and educators and their institutions need to keep up. Preparing students before they enter the workforce to make our communities and businesses stronger is at the core of getting an education. But we need to understand how to change and adjust so that we can begin to project where things are headed before we even get there. So how do we begin to predict the future? Hi, I'm Salvatrice Kumo, Executive Director of Economic and Workforce Development at Pasadena City College and host of this podcast. And I'm Christina Barsi, producer and co-host of this podcast. And we are starting the conversation about the future of work. We'll explore topics like how education can partner with industry, how to be more equitable, and how to attain one of our highest goals, more internships and PCC students in the workforce. We at Pasadena City College want to lead the charge in closing the gap between what our students are learning and what the demands of the workforce will be once they enter. This is a conversation that impacts all of us, you the employers, the policymakers, the educational institutions, and the community as a whole. We believe change happens when we work together, and it all starts with having a conversation. I'm Christina Barsi. And I'm Salvatrice Kumo, and this is The Future of Work. Hi, welcome back to The Future of Work as we continue to pull back the curtain on the upcoming virtual Future of Work conference presented by Pasadena City College. Today, you'll hear from the keynote speaker, Dr. Vijay Pendakar, as he breaks down the construct in which he'll be addressing the key themes of this year's conference, focusing on actionable solutions in the workplace to achieve equity, inclusion, and diversity. Here's a sneak peek of what we're calling Beyond the Benchmark. Welcome back to another episode of The Future of Work. This is a very exciting episode for me. I am your host, Salvatrice, and with me, Dr. Vijay Pendakar, Vice President and Chief Diversity, Equity and Inclusion Officer at Zynga Incorporated. Good morning, Dr. Pendakar. Good morning. It's a pleasure to be with you today. Dr. Pendakar is our keynote speaker for our upcoming Future of Work conference on November 9th online, and we'll put all details in the show notes. But this is really a time for us to get to know you, doctor, and uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and, and how you really got involved in participating in the conference. Let's start there, Dr. Pendegar. Tell us about yourself. Tell us all about your role at Zynga and how it came about that you are participating at our third annual Future of Work conference. Sure. Uh, thanks for the opportunity to share and to connect with your listeners. I'm so excited to be a part of this conference. So I currently work, as, as you heard in my intro, as the inaugural Chief Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion Officer at Zynga, which is a technology company. But my background uh, prior to a year ago, I was in higher education for 20 years in student affairs leadership and higher education leadership. I worked all over the country, um, primarily um, in diversity roles. And so for over 15 years, I held a variety of different diversity and student success related positions at public and private institutions, at elite and access institutions. And it was it was an amazing run prior to my, my pivot into do, doing diversity leadership at, in, in tech. And I think that 
the span of my career informs my perspective in terms of the future of work. I think for me, I'm so excited to join the conversation on the future of work, but also to share through the keynote that I deliver, which will be on diversity, equity, and inclusion implications in the big shift we're living through right now in the future of work. And, you know, I, at Zynga, I, my, my perspective on, on work is informed not just by being in charge of the diversity function at my company, but I also uh, have oversight over our social impact operation, like our corporate social responsibility operation, our university relations group, and our learning and development operation. And I think especially in the L&D space, um, the, the question of the future at work is front and center for any um, informed learning and development practitioner out there. And so this is this conversation is top of mind for me, and I'm sure it's top of mind for many of you listening to this podcast right now. And um, boy, I came to be included. You're going to have to jump in with, with uh, your part of the story here, Sal. Uh, <laughs> I came to be included because of uh, a mutual connection that we share that introduced us right. um, when you were looking for your keynote speaker, your chief diversity officer, right, at Pasadena City College. That's right. Dr. Carrie Bolin connected us. And so uh-huh. it's great to see the the National Equity Practitioners Network kind of tagging each other in to add value in various spaces and places. And so that's that's how I got brought into this fantastic convening. That's right. Yes. And we're forever grateful uh, to Dr. Carrie Bolin to introducing us. It um, we're we're super thrilled and excited about it, of course. And and I think it's worth mentioning that. Last year's Future of Work, we had a focus on diversity, equity, inclusion in the workplace, but really, I mean, the focus was addressing. The focus was bringing awareness to. The focus was really saying it like it is, right? This year, our focus is on solutions to or ways of approaching, ways of collaborating, ways of shifting cultures, ways of shifting practices. And so this conference, I'm super excited about that. It it allows us to be a little bit more hyper-specific as to what organizations and regardless of the size of the organization, what can they do in the immediate to start shifting in the direction of finding solutions around diversity, equity, and inclusion in the workplace? And so we, you know, so we said, what are we doing beyond the benchmark, how are we advancing this work beyond the benchmark? And that is our theme, right? But I think for our listener, because I'd like our listener to know what they might be taking away uh, from your keynote or what might what might be they be taken away from listening to Dr. Pendekar um, on November 9th um, as it relates to advancing this work beyond the benchmark. Yeah, I love the theme of going beyond the benchmark. And I think that Many organizations a year ago were doing important awareness raising work of trying to center equity or justice in various conversations about the future of work. And that that was an important foundation to be built. Uh, The shift towards focusing on solutions is a necessary one. Otherwise, this is just a lot of talk and and not necessarily a blueprint for action. Um, And so part of what I'm going to be doing is because I do believe this is really important in any keynote is to try and frame for the audience, the, the underlying 
shifts that are happening right now in the future of work that present a unique threat to marginalized and vulnerable communities. So when people say future of work, that means a lot of different things to different people, right? And so the opening part of my keynote is going to be a futurist read on the mm-hmm. on the ma- major shifts in um, the labor market and how those shifts have unique implications for underserved and vulnerable community members. Because this is the context, right? Or the chessboard or the battleground, depending on your perspective. Um, <laughs> then the meat of the talk after that setup is really going to be about for employees and employers, and I think almost all of us identify as one or both of those categories, um, we all have a stake in shaping the in, ha- in shaping the future of work within the context that I will have established. And so what are the, uh, the ways in which we can actually edge a workplace or a work experience towards equity while also responding to the changing nature of work itself? So for, for example, because that was very abstract, right? So just to get more tangible. So for example, one of the things that is in, that's very foregrounded in the future of work literature right now is that the age-old contract between an employer and an employee has been pretty weak for quite some time, basically since 2009-2010, right? And the age-old contract mm-hmm. was if an employee gives their employer loyalty, then the employer should give their employee stability and longevity. And all of us know that that contract is broken. Now, um, no employer can really offer us any verifiable longevity or stability because the nature of work is changing too fast, right? Disruptions are coming way too quickly. And on our end, many people, and this is not just millennials or Gen Z, right? I don't want to operate off of a caricature. I think the real labor market data points to most people don't want to stay in the same job for 40 years, right? So there's a desire to change roles more frequently now um, because of the ways in which changing empowers the worker to level themselves up, to keep learning, to grow their, their earning power. And so, you know, in 2018, labor market data pointed to the median tenure of a job for workers between the ages of 25 to 35 was 2.8 years. This was 2018. Think about how much disruption we've experienced since 2018. But if the median tenure of a job for American workers between 25 and 35 years of age was 2.8 years in 2018, one, what is it now? And two, median, right, to splice this up, median means the halfway point, not the mean, not the average. This means more than half of workers in 2018 were changing their jobs more than, more frequently than 2.8 years. So, so yeah. that's a contextual piece. That's something that I'll reference in the first, if we want to think of the, the, the keynote in three acts, right? And the first act is setting up the context. That's one of those contexts to be tangible that I'm going to, that I'm going to talk about is the, the role of volatility in the labor market. And then in the equity-based investments or solutions space, what I'll talk about is how employees and employers need to rethink the contract. And I don't mean the legal piece of paper that we all sign to work, but I mean the social contract between employers and employees. What is it that we're actually offering to employees beyond the paycheck? Because how you keep people for more than about 18 months is in the other things you're offering beyond the paycheck. The paycheck is accessible lots of places now. And actually, now that more and more places are offering remote 
low residency or or um, hybrid work experiences, people are expanding their search radius to geographies that they never would have historically considered. So right. an employer that's resting on captive market is about to experience a rude awakening for where right. their labor force is going to be looking for work. And if your value proposition, what I'm going to unpack as the employee value proposition, if your EVP is the old school EVP, which is salary, benefits, and a retirement plan, and that's all you've got to say, then your turnover rate is going to be extremely high. And so I will engage in what the future of work literature describes as sort of the emerging future EVP. And I'll unpack that for folks. And I'll do it through a DEI lens, because that's an important lens for, I think, for me, I know, just based on my who mm -hmm. I am as a human, but also because of the, the theme of of the keynote is really looking at the intersection between the future of work and equity issues. And so that's a, that, that, that's your trail of gingerbread crumbs, listeners, right there. <laughs> you found yourself leaning in and getting more and more interested. That's right. Well, come to the conference because you're going to learn a lot during this <laughs> keynote and the, and the breakout sessions and uh, that, that follow. Thank you. And I did not uh, ask him to say that, but thank you. <laughs> thank you, Dr. Mendicar. It's so true. And you've, and you've set up the acts for the, for the conference and the keynote. And what's really interesting to me, and, I, and I'm excited to learn more about and hear more about, is the employee value proposition. What is, our, what is our value proposition to our employee? And I have to believe that, yes, we can probably have some general themes around it, but I would encourage each sector to really take a deep dive look and what that might be, for example, in higher ed, what is it? What's our employee value prop? What's our value prop as an employer and for the employee? For financial institutions, for, you know, entertainment sector, for bioscience sector. I mean, it would be very, very interesting work and research to really go through a deep dive in value props within each sector. So I think that's going to be my homework and exploration after this conference is is really looking through that looking through the value props through a higher ed lens but i would be more interested in hearing from our existing employee base because it would be it'd be interesting work just as a as a conversation a separate conversation is it'd be really interesting to hear what the current value proposition is and does it really match what we think it is and how do we move beyond that yeah, yeah, I, I think that's very provocative. So, and I think it's extremely provocative, particularly on campuses in higher education, right? So, sure. I spent, you know, my first almost two decades as a worker on college campuses, and I think that the, just to just to name it with a level of candor, the amount of exits going on right now for people searching for other work really should serve as a clarion call for higher education around this question of what is the employee value proposition? Because for a very long time, higher ed rested on the laurels of, well, you're doing work for the greater social good, and therefore you might be underpaid. And if you get a 2% raise, that's gonna be called merit raise as opposed to a cost of living adjustment. And you know, but you're going to have tons of stability and lifetime employment. And, you know, we're, we're relatively change averse, so you're not going to have to deal with a lot of volatility at work. 
Well, just about everything I just said has gone out the window for higher ed in the last That's five right. years, right? That's right. Um, yep. There's many years where there's no raise. There's many years where there's tremendous volatility. There's a rotating door of executive level leaders and each one wants a new strategic plan. And um, this question of doing the greater social good has gotten quite thin. And so people are like, you know what? I think I'm gonna take my skills and talents elsewhere. And so mm -hmm. the crucible facing higher education isn't only on the enrollment management side. It's because the enrollment cliff that's coming, the, the crucible is not just on the enrollment management side. I actually think the crucible is on the labor market side as well. Yep, very well said, very well said. Is there anything that you would like to share kind of in closing here about, uh, you know, the organization or, or, or what to anticipate um, to the listeners or anything you want, last minute things you want to share? I think I would say if you are passionate about fairness, equity and justice in the workplace, um, that this conference is going to give you a lot of actionable items, but it's also going to help recharge your batteries you know for those of us that that have this 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 drive to to make the world a better place it can get tiresome right and um part of why we attend convenings isn't just the pragmatic aspect of of reskilling and knowledge accumulation but also the ways in which being amongst like-minded people and listening to speakers that affirm and reflect our realities serves to recharge our batteries in our tank and get us amped up to continue this work and sustain it over the long haul. And so I actually think that for people who are only thinking about this as a reskilling experience, expand your value proposition uh, as you think about the conference to think of it also as a self-care and resiliency investment. Well said, Dr. Pendergar. Thank you so much. What is the best way our listener can connect with you moving forward? I think the main way that uh, we can stay in contact and learn from one another for me is through LinkedIn. That's probably the virtual space that I'm most actively engaged in. And I'd love to stay connected and um, be able to not just uh, put things out into the world, but also learn and grow from what you all are putting out into the world. Great. Thank you. We look forward to seeing you very, very soon, November 9th. We'll put details in the show notes. And thank you. All right. I'm excited to be part of it. Thank you for listening to the Future of Work podcast. Make sure you're subscribed on your favorite listening platform so you can easily get new episodes every Tuesday. You can reach out to us by clicking on the website link below in the show notes to collaborate, partner, or just chat about all things Future of Work. We'd love to connect with you. All of us here at the Future of Work and Pasadena City College wish you safety and wellness.